Welcome to the Conversation of Money podcast. I'm your host, Peter Komalafe, and you've guessed it, this is where we talk about money. And it is my mission to empower you, to help you make the best financial decisions possible. Why? Because money is a tool, life is for living. Let's go. Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome back to the Conversation of Money podcast. If you are a regular, welcome back. Thank you so much for being here and being here on a weekly basis. I don't think I say that enough. And if you are new to the podcast, you just found me, welcome. We talk about money. We talk about investing here. The whole idea is for me to be able to use my knowledge through 16 years in financial services, in conversations that hopefully will benefit you and help you make the best financial and investment decisions possible because we do cover uh, investment topics here as well. I can't quite believe that today is the 1st of November. Like it's my birthday month this month. I was born on November the 22nd. So in about 21 days time, three weeks, I'm going to be celebrating my birthday. And uh, it feels weird that we're here in November already, which means we've got eight weeks till the end of the year. And um, yeah, it's been it's been a, a roller coaster year, and I'm just thankful. I'm very very thankful for everything that's happened this year. It's been difficult, it's been challenging, but very very thankful. But anyway, for this episode of the podcast, I wanted to talk about mortgage rates increasing. Now, you may have heard this in the news, seen it in the newspaper. Um, we had the autumn budget earlier this week. I think it was on Wednesday, forgive me. Days kind of merge with each other at this rate. Um, I think it was Wednesday. We had the budget. And on the Thursday, the banks, so a handful of banks, basically increased their mortgage rates straight off the back of the news of the autumn budget. Now, I've been in the issue for 16 years and typically remember the banks waiting until they have word that the Bank of England base rate is going to increase before they increase mortgage rates. But the catalyst for them increasing the mortgage rates was because of one portion of the budget, which basically spoke about the inflation rate for the next year or so being 4%. Now, let's take a little bit of a step back and talk about inflation and why that's important in the context of this conversation specifically. So inflation is essentially the cost of goods and things, services increasing around us. So I think the most apparent place that you've probably seen this right now is in fuel and energy prices. So if you've been trying to go to, you know, top up, you know, fill up your tank, so I'll say top up, fill up your tank at the pump, you've seen an increase in fuel price. That's inflation. If you've recently been contacted by your energy company saying that you've got your direct debit is being increased, and I've had that for sure, then that is inflation. Okay, so inflation is the increase of goods and services. Now, it's important to kind of put this into context because this conversation about inflation has been going on for a matter of, of months now. And it's always been regarded or referred to as transitory inflation. So it's transitory in nature. And what that essentially means is, yes, the price of things are increasing around us, but the central banks, the Fed in the US and the Bank of England here in the UK thought that that would dissipate and inflation will get back to more acceptable levels. The target is 2%. So get around about 2% and below 2%, within a matter of months. So 
within a short period of time, two, three months. That hasn't happened. Inflation has continued to increase. Now, what are the reasons for this? The main reason for this has been COVID. So because we've been in lockdown, because companies have not been able to operate, because we're now just returning back to normal life and things aren't as efficient as they were before COVID, the cost of providing services, producing products has increased. And because it's increased for the providers of those products and services, they're then passed on to us, the consumers. So that right there facilitates inflation in the guise that we've seen it now. For example, you know, the oil shortage that we had, we didn't have enough drivers to get the oil, the fuel to the pumps. So the additional costs that the business have incurred to be able to make that delivery has been passed on via the pump prices. So that's inflation and what's happening at this point in time. Now, if you're in a monetary policy committee at the Bank of England, one of the best ways that you combat inflation is by increasing interest rates. And that's what we're anticipating will happen this week, this Thursday, actually, on the 4th of November. And the consensus has been that the bank rate, which is 0.1%, it's the lowest it's ever been in history at this point in time, will increase by 0.15% to 0.25%, so a quarter of a percent. That's really important because when you think about the bank of England base rate, the bank of England base rate increases, their mortgage rates will naturally increase off the back of that as well. What the banks have done with the increase this week is they've not waited for the Bank of England to announce whether they're going to increase their rates or not. They've just increased it anyway, which many people will say is unpalatable and the bank to be in banks. And to be honest, yeah, they are being banks because technically speaking, if you increase mortgage rates, you should also increase savings rates for savers. So savers, I feel sorry for savers. You know, if you had money in your bank account for the last two years, you've got nothing in interest. Well, the, the Bank of England base rate increase in the mortgage rates going up should mean that you should get a little bit of an increase in your savings rate as well. Whether the banks will do that or not is still to be seen. So I think we'll find that out maybe in the next week, two weeks, or whether they're going to be generous and gracious enough to give savers a little bit more than what they have been getting over the last few years. And this kind of leads us to um, this, I guess, public sentiment at the moment. If, if you've been through through furlough and you've been through COVID, you, you've probably had to tighten your belt quite significantly. And having to contend with energy prices increasing, fuel prices increasing, and now your mortgage costs, like, that can feel like a kick in the teeth. So what I wanted to do in this episode is maybe just give a few tips that I think will help. Um, and hopefully, if you're able to implement these, if it helps one person or two people that listen to the podcast, then recording this would be all the worthwhile. And, you know, particularly against the backdrop of where we are right now, I've mentioned just, you know, their furlough and the fact that we've had energy prices increase. But we have to also acknowledge that like wages have been stagnant like this entire time. Like people haven't really had pay rises, not really. Like you've not been able to keep up with inflation in that way. You know, there has been no, it, it doesn't feel as though there's any, any material improvement to the lives that we live on day-to-day -day basis. And for many people, if you 
ask them how they feel about their financial situation and whether their money feels as though it's going as far as it should in terms of covering the bills and ensuring that they have um, the best quality of life, many people will feel as though they haven't got the best quality of life. Many people will feel as though they've gone backwards over the last, you know, 18 months, two years or so. And, you know, when you consider things like the reduction to universal credit, which by the way, he did, he did try to address in the um, budget. But if you think about that reduction to universal credit, all of these compounding factors can really have a, a negative impact on how you feel about your financial uh, position and therefore your financial well-being, which can then have an impact on your mental well-being. This is where I do a lot of work in the corporate space around financial well-being and how you know employers might be able to help people because let's face it, we spend most of our time at work. How can your employer help you be a little bit better in terms of your financial well-being, therefore your mental well-being so that you can be more productive for work and potentially, you know, give productivity to the business. The business pays you bonuses and the cycle begins from there. So it's a really interesting conversation. But like I said, I do want to give a couple of tips. So if you're in a position where you're you're listening to this right now and you're just thinking, just another thing that I've got to deal with, um, maybe a couple of things that will actually help you. So first, we've spoken about this on the podcast already. And I think it is important to go back to the basics um, because the basics are your foundation, essentially. And the basics are what you build everything on. You don't ever see, you know, a skyscraper built on quicksand. You need solid, solid foundation. So the first thing really that you need to do, if you feel that this is going to impact you, it's going to mean that, your finances are a little bit more tighter than you would like them to be. You're going to have to make some some changes somewhere. Is you know, grab yourself an A4 piece of paper, draw a line down the middle, and in one side of that A4 piece of paper, write your income. So how much you get paid every single month, all the money you've got coming in, all your income streams if you've got more than one. And on the other side of the A4 paper right? All of your expenses, your expenditure, everything that you pay for on a month to month basis, everything. Don't miss anything. Even things that aren't, you know, um, going out of your account via direct debit, things that are going out via standing order or just by recurring payment on your debit card or your credit card, write everything down. Once you've done that, just be really honest with yourself and just look at it dispassionately and think, okay, look, if I've really got to, you know, tighten my belt, what are the things that I do not need? And try and cut those things. And look, I know that that can be really, really painful and quite uh, a sacrifice for many people. But for now, if you need to make those changes, don't be afraid to make those changes. They can be short-term changes just to, just to see you through a difficult period. So that's really important. A4 piece of paper, line down the middle, your income one column, expenditure in the other column, and just go at it. Be honest, be ruthless where you need to be, and just really get under the the skin of what you've got going out. I've said it before in the podcast and I say this all the time, it's not what you earn, it's how much you're able to retain. So if you're paying for things that you don't really need, get rid of it. I mean, it could be Spotify, it could be Netflix, it could it could be a, a channel on or a package on Sky that you're not really watching, that you don't really use, cut it. And that leads me to the second one, you know, try and renegotiate some of the deals that you have out there. So your broadband, your Sky, 
things like that. Try to renegotiate the rate where you can. I mean, Sky is really, really popular for this. I'll probably do this once a year. I'll say, look, mate, you're telling me that my 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 prices are going to go up, but I'm not really happy with that. If if it does, I'm going to go elsewhere. And inevitably, I've been with them now for seven years. They always keep my costs down. And in some cases, I've actually been able to save 20 quid a month one year. I think it was a year before last or so on a package or so. And I think that's really important to have those conversations with your providers that you're in with, um, just to say, look, I need to save a little bit of money. I think I'm paying you too much and I don't want to be paying you this amount of money. One thing that I've done, and this has been a revelation for me is, and I know that this may sound quite nonchalant, right? But and not everybody's in a position to do this, but mobile phone. I'm telling you right now, I used to pay 80, 90 pounds a month for a mobile phone because I had the phone on contract, right? I got rid of that about two years ago. I was like, 80 to 90 pound a month is a lot of money. And I just thought to myself, right, if I can string together enough money to buy the phone outright, I'm just going to go get a SIM only. And that's what I've done. So I pay for the phone up front. And again, I know that these phones now, they're not cheap. I mean, you're looking at iPhones now being over a thousand pounds. It's a lot of money. It's ridiculous, in fact, to be fair. But put the money together, got my phone, cash. I now pay $8.99 for a SIM-only deal. So yes, there's an outlay up front, but the monthly cost is so much lower than I was paying before. And that in itself is no, a decent saving. I can, you know, spend that on nights out if I want to, or dinner with my partner, or I could just invest it in some stock. It's really important to have a look at these things. Many people don't think about it in that way, but I, I tend to, and that's not being overly frugal. It's just being very, very cognizant of what I'm spending where and looking at it thinking, hang on a second, that's 80 to 90 pounds a month. If I go over my data allowances, then it's even more. Some months, 100, 120 quid, 110 quid, it's a lot of money. And it's just looking at dispassionately and being proactive and thinking, okay, if I, how do I fix this? You have to be proactive. You want to save for the money for the handset. If you have to save for, for the money for the handset, you have to be proactive, but it's looking at your finances from a proactive point of view, not a reactive, not having to pay with something the minute it arrives. No, knowing this is going to, so for example, another thing that I pay for upfront is my car insurance. I pay that upfront. I prepare for it. So I know roughly what my insurance this year might be, if it increases by 20%, I know what that would be. I shop around, but I prepare for that on a monthly basis. So I'm putting money aside or I've got a pool of money set aside that I've allocated specifically to that. That means I'm not paying monthly and paying an interest charge, which means that, you know, I'm giving the provider more money for providing that credit facility to me. Proactiveness in your finances is really, really important. I can talk about this you know, all day. Maybe I'd do a separate episode on that specifically. Um, but yeah, renegotiate some of the deals if you can and try and be proactive when it comes to your finances. The last one will speak very, very specifically to you if you are on a mortgage and you're on a uh, standard verbal rate. So standard verbal rates roughly will, well, if the bank rate increases, you're going to see the increase in your, in your mortgage payment. If you are on one of those or something similar, tracker maybe, then you may want to consider looking at a fixed rate mortgage and getting it fixed maybe for two years, maybe for five years or three years. Those are generally the terms that are available. Um, the banks used to have longer term ones, but longer term ones, you're paying a little bit more and we never really know what's going to happen with the rates moving forward. So get yourself on a fixed rate. 
And um, one thing I would su suggest is, you know, if you are at that point where you're no longer tied in, so you're the, you're not, you don't have a term. So oftentimes you might have a, a, a fixed rate, a two-year fixed rate or a tracker that might track it for two years. If you're at the end of that term, um, go and speak to, you can go and speak to your, to your bank, but if you do that, you're shopping in one place. So you're going to have to contend with what they have to offer you. A better thing that you could do is go to an independent mortgage broker or a mortgage broker who will go to all of the market on your behalf and search for the best deal possible. Alternatively, you could use the comparison site, uh, Money Supermarket, uh, compare the Meerkat, you know, those kind of websites as well. You can just shop around for the best deal, the best fixed rate deal that you have. Um, the beauty about a fixed rate mortgage is that your monthly payment will be fixed. So if, you know, in step one, you've drawn that line down that A A4 and you've got your income and your expenditure, it will allow you to know that for your mortgage, you have a set amount going out every single month. For many people that will give you peace of mind in knowing that your mortgage, um, your mortgage payment won't jump at any point in the future because let's face it, you're going to be busy with family, busy with work, busy with, you know, whatever it is that you do, you may not necessarily be keep paying attention or keeping abreast with what the rates are doing. And the last thing you want is to all of a sudden one month, because you missed the, the, the letter or the email or the announcement or the news, realize that your mortgage payments have gone from here to here and it's more, you know? So fixed rate mortgages will give you a little bit of a benefit in that regard. You'll be able to financially plan for it moving forward. So those are just three things that are there. Um, I have had a lot of people approach me for coaching, um, recently. Um, if you are worried about your financial circumstances, you just maybe need a little bit of help in just getting yourself organized. One thing I've come to discover is people listen to podcasts and obviously watch me on YouTube, but what they sometimes lack is there's a lot of information. So it's easy to take on that information, but once you have the information, some people struggle to actually put the information to good use. So from a practical point of view, and that's seen an uptick in my coaching business, um, certainly over the last three to four months, um, this week alone, I've been inundated with coaching requests. So, um, I do have discovery calls for people. If you want to get a second opinion, if you want to get some eyes on your finances, you want a little bit of, of, of a hand, just, uh, some guidance to say, look, try this, or maybe consider this or there are certain things on your finances that you know you need to address and you've kind of just buried your head in the sand. You're like, oh, I know I need to deal with it, but I'm not, I don't really, it's not, it's not, I, I'm not quite there yet. You keep procrastinating. Consider book, booking a free 30 minute discovery call with me. We can have a little chat um, and I can give you some some tips and, and some pointers there on the call if, if coaching is not required. But if coaching is required, then we can talk about the plan of what we might actually do and what you want to achieve and so on and so forth and how we can actually set you on the path to achieving those things. So consider that the link will be in the show notes. Um, and if you go onto my website, you can uh, book there. Um, it's conversationofmoney.com. If you go onto the tab called for individuals, you'll be able to book a discovery call with me there. Um, but yeah, if you do, I would love to chat with you. And if you do listen to the podcast and have been listening to the podcast for such a long time since the beginning or halfway through the beginning of the, of this, uh, of this year or the, the lifespan of this podcast, it will be great to put a, a face to a listener as well. So 
There you go, guys. Relatively short um, episode for this week, but I hope that you found it useful. I will have another guest on with me next week. We're going to be talking about the markets and the madness, which is crypto right now. Um, is It's absolutely nuts. Shiba Inu broke the internet this week. It probably has been for the last two weeks, but it feels like it's at a completely different level right now. We've had so much going on with Bitcoin. Bitcoin, all-time high, $66,000 a coin. There's their speculation is going to reach $100,000 by the end of this year, off the back of the crypto ETFs, which have been approved in the United States. And there's still three more to come. It's crazy. So maybe we'll have a conversation about that next week, but maybe I need to do an actual episode where we talk about the cryptocurrency ETFs if I haven't already done so. I actually need to double check that, actually. Let me just look at my episodes. No, I haven't. So we will talk about that. Um, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin specifically, and the ETFs, so that you guys can get abreast with what that basically means. And if you are invested in crypto, you've probably seen the move, but if you're not, is this the catalyst for you to perhaps dip your toe into crypto? Bearing in mind, it's still very, very volatile. And you know it's an asset class that has huge movements, but still huge potential for the future. So we'll talk about that in another episode, but I will have a guest on next week where we talk about investing, cryptomania, all that kind of stuff. But guys, thank you so much for listening to me this Monday morning or whatever week, day of the week you've uh, listened to this. I wish you the best for the rest of the week. I will catch you next Monday. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, be sure to check out other episodes and share with the people closest to you. New to investing? Check out Peter's course for first-time investors designed to give you the foundation you need. If you prefer one-on-one coaching, book a complimentary discovery with the man himself. All links in the show notes. 